You're listening to Irish Radio Canada at Home and Abroad, and uh, this week we're focusing in on the shoeboxes. The shoeboxes, a book that has uh, just recently been published and is now available because there is a tour happening around Ontario during the month of March, and it's an opportunity for you to, if you want to get a copy of it, uh, you can. But also, if you are one of the families that are part of what would have been the Fitzwilliam migration uh, to Ontario, uh, the people that are going traveling around the province with the book, which is uh, Kevin and Eleanor Lee and uh, Tom Jenkins, are particularly interested in meeting you because they're anxious to connect more families. And I'll give you where they are and then I'll just uh, repeat it before we wrap up. And they're in Toronto on the 9th of March, Hamilton the 11th, Durham on the 12th, Peterborough on the 19th, Kingston and Tweed on the 20th, Ottawa, Bytown on the 21st, and Belleville, Napoli, on the 22nd. And today, I'm heading towards Kingston. And I'm going to have a chat with uh, Mike Janiak, because Mike is a descendant of the Kemets. And they were from Nakaboli. And he made it back there after 172 years as part of this project, I gather. Mike, uh, I'll say it as well. Get tough all to You're very welcome. Thank you. Thank you. I, you know, just you saying that, I got chills. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, how did how did you get? Where did you find the shoebox, or how did this crop up for you? I'm going to start right at the beginning. When I was a young lad, uh, I spent a lot of time on the family farm uh, north of Napanee in a little village called Roblin. It's where the Kimmets were from. I was on the field over from where the Kimmets actually came to when they came from Ireland. So um, I had a, uh, I would call it a, a Huck Finn, Tom Sawyer existence there when I was a, a young kid chasing frogs and toads and horses and cows and, and getting chased by sheep and, and the odd cow as well. Um, had a great time, but it, so, and I also heard the stories from the family growing up, but up when I was nine, my mother died, and that all changed. My grandmother died shortly after, and life on the farm ended. And um, I stopped hearing all those stories, those great stories of the Kimmets. But I was intrigued just enough that I held on to it. Um, I maybe subconsciously held on to it. So years later, after raising my kids, I decided I had to start exploring. And I joined a typical paid genealogy site, my heritage in my case, and um, off I went. And I was hooked immediately. Um, some great records on there. Started finding out a little bit. I hardly knew anything. I just knew that my great-great-grandfather and great-great-grandmother uh, were in the cemetery in Roblin and that everybody said they came from Ireland. I had no idea where, when, nothing. So... I immediately started finding records of a John Kimmet who came from this town of Knocknaboli in Ireland. So I pretty quickly connected the, those dots um, from John Kimmet to his brother, Nathaniel Kimmet, my great-great-grandfather. And um, I was even hooked even more because now I had a place. I started talking to relatives. I know for for a fact no relative had been back. They tried in in um, pre-internet days, um, even in the early part of the internet days. But they would have been older folks that didn't 
wouldn't have been using the internet quite as much. So they tried to go back. They didn't. So my wife and I finally decided we had to go to Ireland and um, we booked a trip and um, it was an odd time of year to go. We went the last few days in January, early February. Everybody said, what are you going to Ireland for then? And I said, well, nobody goes to Ireland to suntan. So <laughs> away we went and um, didn't have a clue what to expect. I, we, I did know roughly where they were from. They were from this townland of Knockaboli. It's about 800 acres uh, between Knockanana, Hackettstown, and Tenahili. So we stayed right in that little triangle of towns uh, in a place called Crossbridge and um, in a beautiful B&B owned by Nikki and uh, Kyra Murphy. They were very gracious hosts to us. And um, away we went. Had no clue what we were going to find. We just had open hearts, open minds. And um, there we were. So Nikki took an interest in what we were doing. He knew lots of people in Tinahili and, and and the surrounding area. He also knew the Lees or knew of the Lees. And um, so we had that on our side. And then we went into the pubs. Um, just we had never been into an Irish pub and we had to go. So we just started going to the pubs, knocking Anna, O'Keefe's and knocking Anna first. And as soon as we opened the door at any of these pubs, the music would stop. And people would look at us wondering what we were doing because they were country pubs. You don't get too many tourists in them, I don't think. And, um, especially at that time of year. So, but they were super helpful. Um, they all had suggestions. They all knew somebody that knew somebody. Um, Don and I liked to hike. My wife and I liked to hike. So they all had recommendations hiking in the Wicklow Mountains, which are beautiful. And we took, took them up on those recommendations. And um, that just started the process. Um, the second night we were there, we went in the Dying Cow, which is a famous pub. I think it's been in the family since the early 1700s. And uh, it's very small. Uh, it would be uh, the size of a typical living room, maybe with a high ceiling, but very small place. We opened that door, the music stopped, and the five guys at the bar all looked at us, what are you doing, <laughs> right? So um, uh, we we told them, and that kind of got the ball rolling because a few of those guys knew folks that lived up in Nocnaboli, um, folks that whose family I think had been there since the 1840s at least. We have records for Hannons back that far, and there's still a Hannon there. So... Um, just as an aside, they found out I played the guitar in The Dying Cow, and five minutes later I was singing a Canadian classic song, Four Strong Winds, which they all knew the words to, I was surprised. But uh, it was kind of fun, uh, my second night in Ireland singing that song in The Dying Cow. So uh, one thing led to another. Um, Nicky Murphy said I had to get in touch with Kevin Lee. So he got me Kevin's number, and I just texted them out of the blue. Uh, not knowing what to expect. I had actually had plans to go up to Dublin to the library, but I just had this feeling that Kevin was going to be a little different and, and better than going to the library. So uh, I texted him and he got back to me right away. And um, we arranged a date for later in the week. And he said, I'll have lots of records for you. So um, off I went to their uh, beautiful home and um, uh it was just stunning what they had. I was shocked. 
oddly enough, the day before, my wife and I had gone on a long hike, and we were coming home. We were both dead tired. But I said, we have to go to the, a pub in, in Hackettstown. We hadn't been to that. There's two pubs there. We hadn't been to any of them. Let's just go. Tired. We were muddy. We were kind of wet. It had rained a little bit. So into the pub we go again. The music stops as soon as we open the door. They all look at us. And, um, again, they all took a shining to us, wanting, wanting to help. So one of the gentlemen there, um, his name escapes me. I, I'm sorry, but, uh, he lives in Noctobol. Nok- he lives on that townland. He has a farm there. And he told me, uh, I told him that I was going to see Kevin Lee and that Kevin, you know, may know where my relatives were from. And he said, well, if you do come on up and see us and you, you're welcome to come in. Um, it's just basically farmland there. So that was on the Thursday. On the Friday, I met Kevin and Eleanor, and they were just great. You can instantly feel the passion with them. It's um, And they have the vibe and the feel that is uh, amazing. When you're doing this kind of stuff, they were just um, – you could just feel it. And um, I wasn't there long, but um, they found so many great records – for for my family, dating back to 1778. And they also had, Kevin also had a map, hand-drawn maps that were done in 1840 for Nocniboli. And they've got literally where the, the, the land the Kimmets had and where the houses were. And Kevin pointed out on the map that they'd probably be in that L-shaped uh, black square that's on the map. Um so kind of hard to translate that to a house, but I, um, I I eventually did. I went up there. I'll tell you that in just, story in just a second. Before they had a busy day, so they. But before that, they took me down to, and I, I'm going to mess the words up on this, but I, I think it was the River of Tears or the Crossing of Tears. But it's the place where two rivers come together on the way down to New Ross. One of them is the River Derry that flows through Tenahili. And the other one is a bigger one. I can't remember the name. I apologize. But it's at that point that the the folks from Wicklow County would come with their relatives and then see them off. They wouldn't go any. They wouldn't go much further. Maybe the traveling at that point was was too tough. But they would see them off, and there would be tears. I guess so. Um, very meaningful spot. There's a big plaque there at the side of the road, actually a big stone, carved stone. Very beautiful spot, too. You can see the rolling hills and these two nice rivers coming together. It was great. So they took me there. That was a very powerful moment. So I left there, and it's about an hour from there up to Nocniboli. I went right up to Nocniboli, right into that farm of the folks that I met the day before in the pub. I took maple syrup from Canada that – um, I helped to make, um, it's mostly made by, by a, another Kemet, uh, Claire Kemet, but, um, I do occasionally help. I took maple syrup from that Kemet farm and I gave it to, um, this couple in Nakaboli as a treat from Kemet to Kemet, um, even though they weren't Kemets. They, they do, uh, farm some of the land. So they, they said, yes, go ahead, go ahead and walk the land. And away I went, and I walked right down to where those uh, marks were on the map, and there is a house, an L-shaped – I wouldn't call it a house anymore because it's falling down stone, but the doorway is still there. The windows are still there. good chunk of it's fallen in. Probably was lived in, I'm guessing, 
into the 1940s or 50s based on the nails and screws that I saw. Um, it would probably changed over the years, but um, I think it had been lived in up to about that point. But that, that was for me was very powerful. Um, I was um, I was uh, I guess emotional at that point. You know, um, I got to walk the land. There's uh, there was about uh, 50 acres that the Kimmets had, and I walked all over that land, just taking pictures and just enjoying beautiful view. Um, you can see the Wicklow Mountains, or the foothills, I guess, of the Wicklow Mountains to the south and east, and then to the north, of course, the, the Wicklow Mountains are there and, and quite large. Um, so yes, that was just an incredible moment. I looked for something I could scavenge. Hopefully that's legal. Um, <laughs> uh, I wanted to find a square nail. I couldn't find anything that I could, that was old. Um, I should have probably grabbed a stone, um, like, a, a they weren't bricks. They were kind of like big, probably carved stone by a mason, uh, that formed the structure of the building. But I figured, you know, nowadays you have to pay so much for weight, uh, flying to and from. So, uh, I didn't, I should have done that next time I'm going to don't tell anybody. Um, but I'm going to do that for sure. Um, so that was it. I got lots of pictures. It was just me. It was a great moment. Um, took a lot of pictures there. And um, that was it. We went up to Dublin the next day and uh, got to see Dublin. Um, so, yes. So emotionally, Mike, and I think this is really what is important. Emotionally, when you got to find the house, and I'm looking at a photograph of it here, um, did you feel a real connection that between the Kemets from then and who you are now. I did, you know, I've done a lot of work over two years on, um, on the paid website. And then I'm putting a book together about Kemets. Uh, that's coming along. I thought initially when I started that it was going to be five or 10 pages. It's going to be two or 300 pages, but all that to say, all that work, all the Kemets that I knew growing up, still know today and all the Kimmets I've been meeting along the way over the last two and a half years or just over two years, I realized uh, I can connect them to that spot. And yeah, it was powerful. Very. <coughs> We're going to have to wrap up shortly. Um, the tour is happening. The book is published. Con um, when I look at the stories, it, it's a case of having to crystallize, and you really had to crystallize what this meant. Was it a challenge to try to crystallize? Uh, it was. There's so much you have to do to get to that point. Yeah. So it's a it's a challenge, but you know it. Um, I guess I could point to Kevin and Eleanor Lee. They've got the passion. And when you have the passion, anything's possible. And, and what and what I'm saying in a way is like you're saying you're working on a book that could be two or three hundred pages. I know in shoeboxes you were probably confined to two or three paragraphs. Um, <laughs> that that crystallization. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's that's tough to to do that. Kevin did it well. He he did a uh, he did a part on the Kimmets and he did it well. And it's short. It's sweet. He's an author. I'm not. So. 
uh, read his books. They're great books. <laughs> My book's going to be, uh, I don't know, a little different. But, uh, yeah, tough to crystallize it down to that little bit. But Kevin caught the caught the feel and the vibe of it. Yeah. So, Mike, I'm sure you'll be available at the Kingston um, date. Uh, when uh, I know the books are going to be available, I'm going to run down through the dates again. Um, yes. The it starts on March 9th in Toronto, and then the 11th is Hamilton, 12th Durham, 19th Peterborough, uh, 20th is Kingston Tweed. Do you have a location in Kingston Tweed where you guys are going to be? Uh, Tweed, I'm not familiar with. Uh, sorry, but Kingston, I am, and in fact. I apologize. We've had a slight change. It's going to be on the 22nd of March. Okay. Okay. From 9.30 to roughly noon. And it's at the main public library at 130 Johnson Street in downtown Kingston in room number two. So we've booked that. Okay. We're also going to be, just to be clear, we're also going to be in Napanee later that day. We're, it looks like we're going to have the Selby Hall in Selby, which is just north of Napanee, uh, from about noon to about uh, 2.30 or so. Brilliant. And again, any f- more information anyone looking for, the website is Kulatan Canadian Connection, and that's C-O-O-L-L-A-T-T-I-N Canadian Connection dot com. And there's a tab there where you can hit shoeboxes. And uh, it's been great meeting you, Mike. Mike Danik, um, Danny Ek, thank you very much indeed for taking the time. Thank you. Appreciate it.